Peter, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here today. Great to be here, Clint. Thank you. You're the CEO of a publicly traded company in the healthcare market. I bet you have a lot of hurdles you got to navigate at times, right? So tell us a bit more about your company, the Joint Chiropractic. What makes you unique in the world of, of adjustments and activators? Sure. And there's a, there's a lot of unique pieces to it. Is that first of all, what makes it so unique is we are the first franchise system in the world to actually franchise chiropractic care. And, okay. and chiropractic care has been a, a, a service that's existed for 126 years. Historically, it's been in office buildings or medical buildings, and they're hard to get to, covered by insurance, at least these days. And that our revolution, what makes us unique, is not that we're changing chiropractic care. What we're doing is changing access to chiropractic care. And so by following that kind of franchise retail model, so we take the clinic and we put it in a retail setting, make it affordable, make it accessible, make it no appointment, easy to get in, easy to trial, that what we find is more and more people use the service. And, and that's really what this opportunity is here. And so we, we are publicly traded. We're based in Scottsdale, uh, that we ended the year with 706 clinics in operation. And of that- Congratulations. And that, thank you very much. We're on our way to 1,000 that uh, we publicly stated that we want to get to a thousand units by the end of 2023 and that um and we do that but through both our franchise side and so about right now 80 86 percent of our system is in the hands of our franchisees and that leaves about 14 percent or 96 clinics that are corporately owned or managed so we have a dual strategy of both corporately owned or managed plus our franchise system okay. And more than anything else, it's about accelerating growth through those retail points of distribution. So we know more about the joint. We've got that intro from you. What about you, though? What, how did you become the CEO? Well, it started when I was a little baby. I'm not sure. I um, have a career of actually building and managing franchise systems for 35 years. And it's kind of a funny story. I have actually an undergraduate degree in political science, uh, and I have a master's degree from the University of London in Latin American history. And the only thing I ever wanted to do was policy analysis of U.S. Latin American relations. That's it. That's that was my. That's what I was going to do. That was my career. And so if that, so I finished my my program in London, and coming back to the United States, of course, where would you go to do policy analysis of U.S. Latin American relations? You would go to Washington D.C. And I did. And so I'm, uh, this is back in 1985. I'm running around trying to find that job doing policy analysis of U.S. Latin American relations. And through a series of funny coincidences, I got hired by the International Franchise Association. And it turns out there's associations in every possible industry you can imagine. There's associations for associations. And so in that process of working there, my job was to sell memberships. And so I was running around the country, meeting with companies like the Joint and asking them to join the, as a member, pay their dues, and then make sure that they renew their dues each year because, you know, it's, you know, it's a voluntary association. And so in that process, I absolutely fell in love with the business model of franchising. It's just a structure that I have not been able to step outside of for 35 years. And so I ended up being recruited away from one of the members. I've worked for a whole series of different concepts over the years. Another thing that's so interesting about franchising is that it's not, a, it's not the industry. The industry is chiropractic care. 
or frozen dessert or postal and business and communication services. In fact, the IFA would tell you there's over 350 different industries that are utilizing the methodology of franchising. And so as you're making these kind of jumps in your career, so often, if you're going to leave your industry and go off and do something else, where do you start? The bottom of where, whatever you're, where, wherever the start is. If you're a teacher in school and now all of a sudden you're, you're sick of it, you want to go become a stockbroker, where do you start? The bottom. Well, in a franchise world is because that you're running parallel unrelated businesses, concept, chiropractic care, methodology, franchise. And so all of that experience, all that learning, all that understanding of how to build and manage a franchise system is quite frankly, concept agnostic. Hmm. Each concept will have its own issues. You've got to understand to be effective in that space, but you have this framework of that franchise model that just carries you from concept to concept. And so I was working for a concept out of um, Nashville, Tennessee, doing fro frozen desserts, which I absolutely love. It's a wonderful concept. And then <laughs> uh, it was owned by private equity. It got sold. And then I was recruited away to the joint. And that's how I got started. As a franchise, what is it that fuels growth for the joint? That is such a great question. And what, what is fueling growth more than anything else for the joint is the market itself is expanding. And, and you have all kinds of, again, businesses can be in a contracting market. And so what you're just trying to do is kind of take more market share from somebody else, but the pie itself is static or shrinking. And that happens all the time. But in a model like this, our growth is driven by the fact that there's just so many people who don't understand the power and efficacy of chiropractic. Mm -hmm. And so that if you look at in a retail concept, there's really two ways you're going to be measuring performance or growth or what's fueling that growth. One is your comps, your, your same store sales compared to a year ago. And that, that is just one of the more, most important metrics that you can look at to understand retail business. Because what you, you'll understand, is it growing? Is it flat? Is it, is, mm -hmm. it, is it actually decreasing? All giving you really important things about that business concept. And if you look at the joint here, we've had some of the strongest comps I've ever worked for. If you look at from 2016 to 2019, those four years, and you stack that comp together, we've had 99% stacked comps. So just think about that. 25% year over year, year over year, four years in a row. And this is a retail concept. We're not talking internet. We're not talking, you get some wild numbers online, but this is traditional retail. And so in the pandemic, we've been talking about, okay, 2020. Yeah, I, I have a lot of franchise or friends that were decimated. Their concept right. was decimated by the pandemic. A lot of brick and mortar got hit. Yeah, QSR, quick service restaurants, just hammered. I mean, there's a concept that literally had to reinvent themselves because what they were doing was illegal or, or they couldn't, you couldn't be in a room with everybody to do whatever that product or service right. was. So, and so in that year for us, our comps in 2020 was 9% growth. That we opened up 70 clinics that year, that we sold 121 clinics that year. And so if we look at 2021, our comps were 29%. And so mm -hmm. comps is a really in, important indicator to what, if you're looking at growth. The other side that you want to look at is gross sales of the system. So it's great to see right. the performance, but is the concept itself growing? And so again, if you look at 2021, we just talked about our numbers is that we had $361 million in gross sales. And that was up 39% compared to 2020. Wow. And if you look at kind of that same period from 16 to present, when I first got here in 2016, when we finished out that year, we were really excited. We did almost $100 million in sales. 
And as I just said, we hit 361 million, you know, you know, five and a half years later. And so that's, that's giving you an indication of that growth. And so what is behind that? Why is that growing? And it's because more and more people are understanding the value and uh, efficacy of chiropractic because by moving it in a place where they can try it. So they're going to their daily use center. I call it a strip mall. My CFO says they're not strip malls. They're daily use. <laughs> and so that when you go to that daily, daily, again, daily, what? daily use center, it's where you get a haircut, to go to get your shopping done. Yeah. And now you do chiropractic care. And so you're sitting there and you're going to your grocery store and, oh, there's the joint. That's not cannabis. That's chiropractic. I'll try it. And they do. And our, it's a pretty clever name, I will say. <laughs> and and our and our truly, so many of our patients come directly that way. Our in fact, as a retail distribution system, right. as a franchise system, that small box retail space. And that when I say small box, that's a, it's just that thousand square feet in line, anchored by the supermarket. And that what you find is that it really is that storefront that is one of our most powerful right. ways to educate the consumer to trial. Now, that must be such an empowering concept for, for a franchisee to, to open their own store and to be part of your brand and to, to do what they love and to be part of something bigger. That's, that's probably got to be a huge part of your growth is, is just bringing on board those new franchisees to, to get them to commit to, to opening a storefront. Without question. Is there the, and again, if you really look at franchisors, is what we are, is it what we fulfill people's dreams. Because we have so many of us have this dream of of ownership. We want to be in our own. In our, we want to be our own boss. We want to be in control of our own destiny. We want to do something that's important to us. And and franchising is a really powerful model that we use to to put some guardrails around that because it's really scary to start your own business. It's it's risky. And and who do you ask? Who's your advisor? Where do I get the information? How do I know I'm doing it right? And and, and you know what? You 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 know how you learn how to do it right? You make a bunch of mistakes. You know, and, yeah, and you always. hopefully you survive those mistakes so that you can actually survive. You know? And and most new businesses don't. I mean, the failure rate of new businesses is just astronomical. And just because it's a franchise doesn't mean it's automatically successful. But what you're really doing, and I have so many ways to talk about franchising. But if you really understand franchising, you know what franchising is? Franchising is the business of selling mistakes. Because you're taking that set of experiences, you know, I, I know how to lay out a clinic. I know how to, to, to operate it. I know how to get clinic. I get customers. I know how to put the operation systems behind them. How? By all those mistakes I make. And then I'm saying, oh, do, don't do that. Do this. And so the franchisees still will make mistakes, but you're minimizing them or you're allowing them to make different mistakes, which will help them accelerate that growth. Because just think about that. That's all of us are learning. Our, I have a career of making mistakes. I mean, that's where all my growth is. That's why where I'm learning. Yeah. The Me too. <laughs> I don't think I'm unique. That and the difference is is that in it's it's the the model of franchising is leveraging that experience. So it's not just you and a mentee that you're trying to help or a friend or hey, look at you're starting a new business. You better think about this. Is that you're, it's in the very nature of the relationship to help you minimize those mistakes. And those mistakes came from the experience across the entire network. But, but, and again, this is like in retail, is that everybody, it's, okay, here's a couple of things. Is that there's really only one thing you have to do if you wanna survive and thrive in, in, in a business, only one thing. Now there's a lot of things you have to do, but if you do not do this one thing, you will not survive. Just one thing, if you can get it. Now, what do you think it is? You got me on the edge of my seat. 
and it's pretty common. I mean, it's, it's a lot of my stuff is just common sense. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to survive and thrive, if you want to stay in business, you have to, and you have to do a lot of things. And we talked about raise capital and manage and all this, but if you don't get this right, you will not be there. And that is stay relevant to your consumer. It doesn't matter if you're a consulting firm. It doesn't matter if you are a IT. You only company. have a business if you have customers. Right. And <laughs> you need to make sure you are meeting their needs. Yeah. Because if you are not meeting their needs, they go away. It's that simple. Franchising is the business of forced listening. I have a contract. The contract gives me those guardrails. I don't want 700 different versions of the joint out there. I need that legal framework that allows us to, 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 to build a brand and set standards. But those franchisees have a standing in this relationship that is different from any other form of business. They are not my employees. They're not a union. These are people who put a significant portion of their life savings on the line to use your model. And now what's interesting is that they will be heard. You know, your employees will, I mean, you, you have a couple of employees that, you know what, they're going to be heard no matter what. They're, they're going to tell you, they don't care if you're the CEO or anybody else. If they think this is what you need to know, they're going to come in and tell you. Now, I promise you, you won't listen to them, <laughs> but that's, that's another problem. I'm curious from being a privately held company to publicly held company, Peter, was that a big culture shift for the company? What did it mean for your employees? What did it mean for the franchisees? That it, is, it is a huge cultural shift. It, it, it absolutely is. And that uh, to not understand that is to not understand being public. And, and, and as, as you know, being public, is a, it's, a, it's a unique space to be in. And it comes with its own benefits. It comes with its own costs. Everything in life has a cost and a benefit. And you just have to yeah. value it. Is, does it. is the benefit outweigh the cost? And, and so in our case, what was the benefit? The $31 million allowed us to open up, you know, have the resources to get the units up and operating, gave us a greater reach, accelerate our growth. Uh, and so that it gave, you know, it gave us that capital to do things that we couldn't have done otherwise because, you know, it's, it takes time to build up that capital mm -hmm. just on your royalty or your new franchise fees. And so that, that it's a really important accelerator to your own growth. Now, so, so we now, thank God, we now know how to stay in business. We have to meet the needs of our customer. Easy, right? <laughs> right. Okay. How do you do that? How, what's the most important now? There's a lot of things you have to do. There's only actually one that you have to do if you really want to be able to survive and thrive. Well, you got to talk to your customers. You got to listen to your customers. You got to engage with them. No? Nope. Have, okay. You, I'm going to stop guessing. You, you no, tell no, me. You, you had half of it. You, 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 okay. you, the first thing you said is talk to your customers, which is actually the opposite. You, and then you said, listen to your customers, which is actually the answer. Okay. You have to listen because they will tell you. They will tell you. So let's say you're a big retail concept and the, who, the, the, who's, who's dealing with our customers? Who's talking to the customers every day? The lowest paid employee in the system. Yep. And so that he's sitting there or she's sitting there and that, that, and that those customers are coming in. They're saying, why aren't you doing this? Have you thought about that? What's a, what, why do you do this? And they have all these insights. And so he shares them with his managers. He goes up to the manager and says, hey, nobody likes the blue dresses. And so what does the manager say to that low paid employee? Sell the blue dresses or I fire you. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is what happens. This is what you do because I mean, you gotta get rid of the blue dresses. And so then the, 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 in a franchise model, it's not that low paid employee. That's somebody who's put their life savings on the line. And so when you say, don't do this, 
they a no is not a no. And so they're going to push, 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 push. Yeah. Now you have to. You're invested, right? They're there. Uh, they are forcing you to listen. Yeah. Now I say this to every new franchisee we have, right? because this again is one of the power of, of listening to my franchisees, my customers, so I can make sure this concept stays relevant to the consumers that we're serving. And I say to them all the time, and I say, okay, I want you to write this down. Now write this down. So they're all ready to write down. I said, every idea that a franchisee has is not a good one. Now write that down. <laughs> every idea a franchisee is that. They're like, and, all right, now let me give you the corollary. The best ideas come from our franchisees. That's a dynamic tension that you have to tap into to keep your concept current because I have a whole bunch of employees on, on my own payroll and they're operating the same clinics and they're hearing the same conversations from my customers. How does that translate up to me? That's such an integral component of your business model as a franchiser Correct. to, to build brands. So tell me, tell me your thoughts, give me your guidance, give me your advice on building brand. What do you talk about with your team and how do you make it happen? Yeah, and, and I think that, again, as you're right, as what, if I told you that one of the obligations of a franchisor is to provide that operating model, which will change over time, the other is to build a brand. Because, again, this isn't just a bunch of clinics, any name out there, all run really well and using the same systems. This is a brand-building exercise. And, a, and, and now, not all franchising is retail, so that there are some exceptions in terms of what that brand can mean, utilizing the methodology. But the majority of franchisors are actually operating in that retail space and the brand building exercise is essential to their business. Now I operate most of my career in that, what I, again, call that small box retail space. And so it's, again, it's a thousand square feet in line at the supermarket. And what I would tell you is that I, I am not Procter & Gamble. I don't have $75 million to get you to change your toothpaste. What I have is that storefront that you are noticing finally that you actually open the door. And so again, those storefronts are one of the most powerful tools I have to build that brand. Now, if you really think about what is a brand, it's, what, what is a brand? Well, all a brand is, is a shortcut in your mind to whatever the concept or service is. So if I say Apple, something comes to your mind. If I say BMW, something comes to your mind. If I say Sony, I mean, they're all... All it is is a shortcut to your mind about whatever that product or service is or whatever attributes you want to put around that, that they have felt was in, inside that brand. And you have different parts to the brand because I have, a, I, I have an employer brand. I want to be the best employee, a place where everybody wants to work, everybody's engaged. And so I have to manage my employer brand. I have right. my patient brand. I want to make sure that they understand it's affordable, it's accessible, it's safe, it's where they can get the service they want to get out of pain and, and that it's really convenient for them. And so there's that whole patient-facing brand. And then you have just the, the, that kind of more general business brand. I mean, it's not just about the patient. It's not just about the franchisee, but it is actually the brand that you're building under that roof. So we are this like-minded people building this brand all by doing the same thing in each of these communities that we serve. And so it's a, it's a complex process. And what we also know no. is you have to be very thoughtful because you can destroy a brand like that. Uh, you know, you get a bad experience and this is again, the power and the, the cost of being a brand, because if you have a bad experience at the joint, that didn't just cut, shut you off from that one joint that is there in your community that may shut you off for all 700. So we're expecting to be treated the same, whether I go to this McDonald's or that McDonald's or whatever concept you want. And so 
that's the that's the attraction is I, I know what to expect when I open that door because I've been I've been taught what that means. And so what I again what I love in this retail space of franchising is that it's 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 those storefronts that does all the power of building your brand. Now it's changing as well because it's not just storefronts. I'd be more in my early career today with the technology, with the internet, with well. The way consumers are accessing information and using it to make those consumer decisions is so profoundly changing. And, and so, and that it's, and it's so driven by, by the internet. So an example is we are a medical service. I'm a baby boomer. And so if I were to, um, look for a, a new medical service, so I want a new dentist, a doctor, a chiropractor, what do I do? I go to my friends and family and I ask them, who's your doctor? Who's your dentist? I'm doing the validation. How do you, they, they give me that ref, referral. So then that gives me the comfort and say, okay, that I'll use them as my dentist. Now that's great. But if you're a millennial or younger, you're not going to friends and family to make these decisions. Where are you going? You're going to Instagram. Well, no, you're going to Dr. And you're doing, you know, pain, chiropractic, close to home. And then you're doing the search and then you're looking at what comes up and you're looking at the validation and you're looking at the reviews. You're doing the same process, but it's all online. And again, it's just changed over time because I remember, yep. you know, this is just. Well, the media channels change and you got to change with them. And faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. And, and again, and I'm not my customer and you are a customer. Our millennials are, and younger, our, our median age is 36.4. And so, uh, you know, so it is, it is that younger customer who's coming into the clinic. They don't have the stigmas associated with chiropractic that the generation like myself has, and that those are the people who are going online. And so that they, we, we do have to find different marketing channels to reach them. I'm very curious to know what the joint is doing because you have your franchises are your customers, obviously. And I think that's the message that you're sending now. How do you reach out for? Is the joint reaching out proactively to each franchisee to, to listen, or is it that the franchisee locations or managements typically come and right up the funnel or right up the channel, excuse me, to, to ask or give information to the joint? Well, I mean, part of it is the training you're putting in place to your franchisees. So we have you know initial training, ongoing training. I mean, if you, again, what as a franchisor. I have just a couple of primary responsibilities. And one of them, and it's a really important one, is to actually provide an operating model. And, and I have people come up to me all the time and say, hey, I have this great idea, I want to franchise it. And I'm like, okay, well, talk to me about the model. Well, it's an idea, I don't have it. I, I, it's just, I'm still thinking it through. And I'm like, well, you have nothing to franchise. Concept, methodology. <laughs> so until you have concept, you have no, there's nothing to, there's no methodology to apply to it. And so that you, and that, and that, Operating model changes over time because we're learning, growing, make, getting more sophisticated. So if you look at the services and support, the systems that we have in place today in 2022, and compare that if you were a new franchise or a franchisee with us back in 2010 or 11, worlds apart. And I know if we look 20 to, if we're 2022 today, and then I think 32 from 2032, it'll be another system as well because we're continually learning, growing. This is another way I talk about franchising is franchising is the business of accelerated growth through excellence. Because what you're doing is taking those experiences, not just just one unit to learn, oh, if I do that, I get better sales. If I do that, I get better, happier customers. You take those best practices, you put them back into the system, you, you systematize it, roll it out, teach the franchisees, they use it, and all boats rise. People are amazing. At operating in their own interest. Yeah, and they really are. And we can rationalize anything. 
but it's really, it's that, 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 so when you're putting systems in place is that if what I'm asking them to do is not in their interest, how do I get, how do I get enforcement? And because I'm, mean, why would anybody do that? Anything that's not in their own interest? Well, I tell you, you won't, unless you're insane, because then you don't care. And so you're convincing. Another way I talk about franchising is franchising is the business of convincing. You're constantly talking to your franchisees, your community, and trying to explain to them why you think you should do this and not that. And believe me, they're coming right back at you and saying, no, you know, we should be doing this. And so it's just that dynamic tension, that forced listening. We have structures that we put in place to make sure we're capturing that really critical information that keeps us relevant. So I have a question for you, Peter. So we're talking about accelerating growth and fueling growth for the joint. What about you professionally? And personally, well, it's I, to me that's one of the es, uh, the essence of life questions. It really is, and and, and is what's feeling your growth. You know, and what the way I would answer that, or what, or what you're really asking me, is what's my purpose in life? It and, isn't, you know, in a sense, you're right. Yeah, and 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 it's an important question to ask, and, and I think we and what is once you get past just those basic needs, I have a roof over my head, I can feed my family. Then, then we're, I think we're all struggling for meaning. One of the most horrifying statistics I've ever read about this country is 75% of the workers are disengaged from the work that they do. Well, and that's the power of franchising. This is one of the reasons why I cannot get out of this franchise model because I'm just going to tell you, if you're putting your life savings on the line for this concept, whatever it is, is that you're engaged. <laughs> I've never had a franchisee say, hey, you know, I've got a half a million dollars here. I'll sign the franchise agreement. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, yeah, I got another one. Never had that conversation. I have the franchisee who's sitting there praying and they're writing a check and it's probably the largest check they've ever written in their life, maybe outside of their home. And they're praying to God that they don't make a mistake. And so again, back to your question is that you have to understand your purpose of life. And, and that I've, had a very strong idea about my purpose of life. And it's a very simple one. And this is what fuels me. This is why I'm in franchising for all these years is my purpose in life is to help people. This is again, what I love about the franchising is just think of all the entrepreneurs over the years that I've helped. I've helped fulfill their dreams. I've helped them make a good decision. And maybe the decision is not to do it. It's okay. We're helping people make fundamental decisions about their life. And you know how you make good decisions about your life? You have good information. And so your job in this franchising space is to help people have the information they need to make a good decision. And that good decision may be, this is not for me. Absolutely. Well, those are good thoughts about how to build brand coming from the master of the joint chiropractic brand, Peter Holt, CEO. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom. And we look forward to connecting with you again sometime in the near future. Absolutely. Lizzie, thank you. It's been a real pleasure.